0: Cornstreet Out of five, Scotland, you're listening to Films and Swearing, a movie podcast with your hosts Stuart Sullen and Magic Mike Christie. Hey. Welcome to episode 190. It is an off-season episode. We've taken a break from our 90s season. We've reached the halfway point and yeah. Today we're just going to talk about some films we've been watching yeah. that are not from the 90s. Yeah. I I was at the Edinburgh International Film Festival for one day and I have recorded some uh, audio diaries of my before and afters of the films I saw that day. In short, I saw Life After Flash, Charlie and Hannah's Grand Night Out and Calibre. Now, Calibre was playing at the film festival, yeah. but it was sold out. But it did premiere on Netflix the following week, yeah. so I did manage to see that. Thankfully, uh, Mike, do you want to mention in short what films
1: you want to talk about today? Um, I am going to be talking about One River mm-hmm. and Raising Kane. Ah, okay. Even though it's from the nineties, but aye, that's, that's fine. It's it's
0: not part of the season anyway. Yeah. Now, I I'll go first with life after flash now what i'll do let's see i wonder how fucking weird it's going to listening back to me cutting about edinburgh talking to myself on the phone um cause i think that's ideally what was going to be the plan if both of us were going to attend yeah we were going to try and sort of like do a pod not like a podcast on the street not a full episode but at least kind of capture yeah. our opinions going in And our reaction's coming out of films. Mm. Uh, But unfortunately, work gets in the way. Mm -hmm. So, I was flying solo. Let's see. I'm going to play my introduction. This is going to be an an optional clip, whether I want to keep it in this episode or not. Alright. Like, whether... Aye, I'll just play it. Hello folks, Stu here. Just picked up my tickets from the film house for our films today. I've gotten the chance to go see Life After Flash, and then Charlie and Hannah's Big Night Out. i have been questioning that because I've stuck the tickets in my pocket and I've forgotten what the fuck the title is. Charlie and Hannah's Grand Night Out. So I'm going to give you guys my reactions. Yes, it does sound like I'm about to be run over any second. Mm. Uh, I did do my noise filter and thing, so it doesn't sound as bad as it did. Uh, aye. Yeah. Well, my my predictions, what I expect from the film prior to seeing it, and then my immediate reactions when I come out of the cinema, and then all this information will be spliced into episode... Right, oh, yeah, of the Films and Square movie podcast. So that was my introduction clip. Um, it's more or less what I just said there. So that mm. could just be an optional patron part rather than hearing the same story yeah. twice. I, I I was cheeky and I did purchase student tickets. Nah. The, the frugal stew, you could call me. Uh, but I, it's usually you just have your tickets posted out to you and then nobody checks if you're shooting really. Yeah. Like if you already have your tickets in hand. But I had booked my tickets late. Because I wasn't really too sure on what shows I was really wanting to see. And I lost the cutoff for the, the posting. Oh, so right. I had to actually collect my tickets at the box office. And part of me was like, ah, fuck.
1: Yeah, because you wouldn't have known how busy the box office would be. Yeah, that. and
0: they'll most likely ask for identification when you're collecting your tickets. Yeah. Uh, along with like your book and reference number. And I was like, there's a small part of me that was sweating it when I was going in to collect. them, going, fuck what would I say? Yeah. <laughs> I'm a cheap bastard. Um, but, I was going to do like the old pat the jeans going, oh, my student card. Oh, oh, that's in my other jeans. Mm-hmm. Like, what was the story going to be? And I just went in, I had to say the guy, I was in collecting tickets and he was like, oh, book a number, I gave it to him, print of There you go, pal.
1: Yeah. I'm like, oh, cheers. <laughs> what was the, what was the price difference between, standard four quid
0: it's 12 pound for a normal ticket eight pound for a student ticket
1: and it's that per film or for the per home? film
0: all oh, right so i had so I, was, uh, I could have been paying 24 quid for the films i was seeing that day <laughs> and and it was i just like man and they have so many concessions like a uh, teenagers a uh, student's uh, they have one if you're on like if you're receiving like job seekers like so if you did not have a job your films are cheaper yeah like, like <laughs> and yeah. so it's like the fact that you are just like a normal working person like you could afford to pay four quid yeah. more on top of it than anyone else so there's always that wee part of me is like fuck it i just want the yeah. cheap movie ticket but i go to it every year so i built up a thing that i've never noticed before they have like a like almost like a nectar points system yeah. where I had like a nine pound credit sitting on my account. So my tickets ended up costing me uh, six pounds 66 pence, Yeah. The most metalist number I know. For buying your film tickets. So uh and it was the worst thing, I had to collect my tickets from the film house on Lothian Road to go see my films in the Omni Centre on the other side of fucking Edinburgh. Uh. <laughs> so it took me like an what well felt like an hour to walk from one side of, to the other, and eventually it was running late, so I had to fucking power walk to get uh, there in time. Uh, so here is my uh, before reactions to life after flash. So we're just going into life after flash. I like how we're saying we when I'm there myself, like yeah. me myself and I. Uh. <laughs> so there's a mental issue going on there. Guess what we're expecting just your run of the mill documentary. Not too sure. Because, well, why, what do we know about Sam Jones other than Flash Gordon and Ted and Ted 2? That was kinda. Like, other than doing those cameos in Ted, it was Flash Gordon. So, I hope to be fairly well educated. And as like most documentaries, I should expect highs, lows, and Redemption. Here we go. And die. Uh, kind of got that. It was sort of like uh, a decent documentary. Yeah, actually.
1: so what was the... I always said it was about like, Flash, basically, after.
0: Yes. should have done a wee bit of research going in, but I kind of went in blind just expecting it to be a documentary solely on Sam Jones. Yeah. But it was a mixture... It, the first hour, I felt covered the production of Flash Gordon and I had like a troublesome production and mostly it was sort of around Sam Jones. I mean, it done really well. I was really impressed with it but by the time I came out from it. Uh, What'll do? I'll play my after reactions first and then elaborate on anything else I missed. Oh, I've eaten a lot of chicken. I I done this uh, after going to Nando's. There's that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I am sitting and going, "Oh, chicken." <laughs> okay, so life after Flash was more or less really a big old documentary surrounding Flash Gordon and Sam Jones, which should have been pretty fucking obvious. And it was surprisingly good. Quite enjoyed it, but I am a sucker for documentaries normally. So, and. <clears throat> Sam Jones is like a larger in life character and I think we did get the, the overall impression that he more or less does play Flash Gordon in real life. So we got a like good hour spent on like the troubled production of the film uh, and it was like a whole lot of talking heads but it was like a mixture of footage gathered from various comic cons. You got to see like a lot of UK ones, uh, a lot of American ones. So it was actors, whether, whether they be ...fans of the film... ...because they had like... ...Sean Garner... ...Michael Rooker... Eh, ...randoms for the like... ...Walking Dead... and ...Game of Thrones... ...to like... ...Brian Blessed... ...and... ...like... ...producers... ...like... ...surrounding... ...close family members... ...and... ...hi... ...so going through like... ...the film... ...the highs and lows... ...of Sam's life... ...getting to see what he actually does... ...when he's not an actor... ...it's pretty fucking interesting... ...so... ...that was decent... Um Following that, the director, Lisa Downs, the director of the documentary, Lisa Downes was there to do a and a but I was fucking starving, so I had to leave. And now I am filled with, like, 16 pounds worth of chicken in my gut now. So I'm going to try and walk this off. So, alright, that was my main chunk of it. And, yeah, there is some proper surprising parts in there, like, seeing Sam's other life. Like, he was also, like, a marine... Prior to acting, and then when he wasn't acting, he was in doing like a private security retail. Yeah. Uh more or less like he was in charge of security, protecting VIPs going between the American and Mexican borders. When you just think like it's the country,
1: yeah.
0: Fucking Flash Gordon, and then to see him in charge of like all the like a convoy of vehicles transporting VIPs back and forward, and you see like even he. Make it obvious who yeah. he was. It was not until it's like months into the job, people he's transporting suddenly caught on. Like he's the same Sam Jones that was in Flash Gordon. And he doesn't even try and like mm. make I, that I, a selling I, yeah. point. I, he, he's professional, he, everything's clockwork. But the whole loads of his life, like things like obviously coming out of Flash Gordon and he was kind of got into like a, a string of marriages and he ended up in rehab at one point and it, they have so much footage like from his friends and family talking about how bad things got and how they had to fucking help him out like help him up and he was obviously became like a a christian at some point whether either he was a christian all along obviously like there wasn't a defining found christ moment uh. but like, he always talks about being a blessed man and his family and he obviously talks about the good Lord quite a lot and uh, on, like uh, guided him in his journey back to being a decent father and getting back into films because all the stuff that went down on the set of Flash Gordon's really interesting. Like, they talk about there's days that he sat in his trailer refused to come out because they hadn't paid him for like days prior. So production had literally shut down for two days in a standoff on whether they were paying them or not, and they gave in. And then when they took their Christmas break, they never brought them back to finish the film and finished the film with uh, body doubles and then had another actor dub all his lines. So there was no difference in voice. So And things like that, I I remember me and Andrew have done Flash Gordon for the podcast yonks ago. And I don't even remember things like that maybe being obvious like when looking at the trivia, but the fact that they replaced them and just filmed finished the film with like body doubles like yeah. was not obvious whatsoever. But surely there's no bigger fucking slap in the face. The that you've not been invited back to the film that you're the star of. Yeah. But Brian Blessed is like the man that steals the documentary though. Aye. Like, he's so animated, and there's at one point, he's like, looks off camera to whoever, and he's like, can I swear? And he's like, yes, and he's like, and, he's like, and he turns around and he's like, you're going to fucking die if you keep doing this, and he gets so elaborate, and he's just like, fucking this, fucking that, you need to fucking calm down, and he just starts fucking, like, shouting and screaming, and the the fucking audience would roar and laugh, any time he came on, he was just so loud, and he would just start, like, fucking dropping F-bombs, and... No, like one character, like the, the character that resembles uh, Doctor Doom, where he's, uh, he's got like a golden mask and a black cloak. And the actor playing him was convinced that I said, like, Well, this character looks like he's got a lot going to this. I really don't want him to die so early on in film. I think it would, because like, they were talking about there's like, this, has got to be a trilogy of films. And so I think it would be good if I, if I maybe I'm injured and I'm left, but if I, if I could like appear later on and do this yeah. and that and the next thing. And it was Brian Blessed. Telling him, no, you'll fucking die. You'll die. Like you'll get flung onto spikes and you're dead. It's over. You're not coming back. And they cut to a shot where they show you in the film where he's goes impaled on the spikes and they cut to his face and his eyes and his tongue are melting at the helmet. Uh-huh. It's like definitely not coming back now if your pus is melting through the helmet. Um. Oh, they do show you quite a lot of them doing like the Comic Con circuit now,
1: uh-huh. like
0: you see him in conventions uh, it looks like in small towns in England like he was in Reading and sitting doing selfies with fuck on the street and so there's like just this guy's like, I can't believe I'm getting a fucking picture with Flash Gordon <laughs> like, just so fucking peppy and then he goes there and he's got all this beautiful artwork like there's a comic book artist called Alex Ross who'd done quite a lot of talking heads in it like they interviewed him for a lot of this stuff yeah. but he'd done this amazing drawing uh, or painting of like Flash Gordon and then all the surrounding characters so he's got this as like this giant banner. So he comes out, puts it all the like he, he's making a tent. So he's putting all the pipes together and pulls the big cover with the bar, puts it there, talking to all the convention folks and right. If it's me and my leading lady, we need to be sat together. And he starts rearranging the whole hall for them. Uh. He's like, obviously, this is his trade now, going around, living off of his fame for Flash Gordon. They do talk touch lightly on uh, his time in Ted. Yeah, and it's funny to see that his family, obviously, like. They didn't like, the his family weren't keen on his uh, interpretation yeah. of, I guess, his, himself, Sam Jones yeah. in the Ted films. And Sam Jones rewritten a lot of the, the, the all the dialogue that Seth MacFarlane had done for him. Uh, Sam changed it to make it cleaner, or, or they worked something out. Yeah. The things that he was happy to say rather than the stuff they wanted him to say. Uh. So he kind of changed some of it, but his family still didn't like his work in those films just because I think it was... Well, obviously, it's a really crude set yeah. of films. But um, So they touched on that lightly. But honestly, I would recommend this to you. I mean, it, if it ever like shows up on Netflix, uh. it's an easy like hour and a half. And it just it kind of covers the lot. Like, uh the first half on the film and the second half on his life afterwards
1: yeah
0: I've not seen Flash Gordon in fucking years aye so like this would be like another one of these good opportunities for Netflix to do like a, a Jim and Andy which they failed to do yeah they like, should have put show the documentary then have the film pop up after it as an option to play it like easily yeah. watch the life after Flash then get prompted with the option to watch Fly- like yeah. Flash Gordon yeah so right okay that's all I've got to say on Life After Flash. So, go ahead with,
1: was it Wind River? Aye. I, um, I watched this over the last couple of weeks. Um, it's fun. It was on my radar. I think it's been on my radar for like most of the year. And, yeah, I was becoming, like, really surprised at how, well, I shouldn't say surprised good it was because everybody that I've seen giving reviews and it are saying that it's like, like probably, pro a lot of people saying it's like the best film for last year. Okay. Had I seen it last year, uh, it probably would have been in my top ten. No, oh, I. Because it was a fucking great film, and like, I mean, it's, it's a, a, a murder mystery basically. Aye. And it's um. What's it, Where does it say? It's like. Uh, Do I want to say Alaska? Right. It's like in some like, really like northern part of like America, like it's. I say my like, Jeremy Renner's, like he's like the character he plays like a a wildlife like hunter. Mm-hmm. I think he like has something to do with like like the government and stuff. Um, I don't remember, but um, they're looking for a local girl that's missing, and they find her. And like, even though they find her, and like they also there's like traces of, like like I've been raped and not, mm-hmm. but she died but, like, like, hypothermia and all that. Like, they're no class in it as murder. Okay. They're trying to, like... Like, they're trying to actually push it as, like, murder and stuff and they try to solve it. Mm -hmm. And they bring in Elizabeth Olsen. She plays, like, the FBI agent that's, like, helping them. And it's it's a slow burn. It's a really slow film. A long Um, film? Hour and 40, hour and 45. That's not bad. And, like, you get, like, a massive fucking... When it comes to like it basically shows you what happens, like maybe an hour and ten in it, the film. Okay. And it's like almost like a twenty minute sequence. And it totally changes like the film. Mm. And there's like um it's a slow burn but it's got like a rewarding like payoff sort of thing. Aye. Like the last like ten 15 like ten, fifteen minutes of film is like quite rewarding. Um the one thing I do like about the film is is films that bring in big stars but then a like make it known that they're in this film. They just put aye. them in, and then just they just show up, and they're like it's such a key plot point. Aye. Like, would you say like Matt Damon
0: in Interstellar, for yeah. example? Like, just uh, all yeah. of a sudden,
1: like, aye.
0: Like his name's not in the poster. He's known in any of the trailers. Yeah. Where the fuck did this cunt come from?
1: Yeah. Um, and I think that's what makes the film like that good. Yeah. Um, I would uh, say the guy that directed that, Taylor Sheridan. He done Hell or High Water. Oh, right, okay. And they wrote the story for Sicario. I still fucking love Hell of Highwater. I picked it up like the same fucking week when I bought Wind River. Aye. Uh, aye. Like, the, I, I don't think it's as good as Hell of Water maybe. Yeah. But it's still like a really good film. Um, there's like a. Like, we talked about like last couple of weeks about like loud gunshots in films, and you know, I like aye. We talk about like, like the gunshot and drive, and. Yeah. There's a towards the end of the film is a shotgun that goes off in this film that totally catches you fucking like you drinking it's happening and it just feels like it's fucking like really deafening eh? aye but yeah I, it's, I found it last week it's on Netflix so I yeah, fucking you... get it get it chat to it's such a good fucking film I think I'll watch it the night to be honest I, I've been trying to work
0: through like the second season of Westworld this week but I might aye. take a wee break because that's it it's readily available now it's on yeah, Netflix so yeah Ah, uh, it's such a good film. mm mm-hmm. Um Bye. I don't want to give away too much? Nah, no, I, no, I do want to ruin it it's Cool. Okay. Um, The second film I saw at the film festival, as we said, was Charlie and Hannah's Grand Night Out. Now, I chose this as a convenience pick because it was shown in the same theatre an hour later.
1: Uh, so, so you didn't have to go travel another half of Edinburgh.
0: Exactly. So it gave me enough time to go have some to eat. And then... Go see a film. And, to be honest, when I was in Nando's, it took fucking ages to deliver my butterfly chicken. So I almost missed the start of this film. Ah. Uh, let's bring up my my befores. <clears throat> On my way up to see... Uh, Charlie and Hannah's Grand Night, which is starting in... It is... Oh, it's Disney. Okay. starting very shortly anyway. So... Yeah, I, I, to be honest, I'm not sure what to expect for this. I'd imagine it will just be a, a charming, black-and-white foreign film with two lasses having a night out whilst mean, I was taking acid, I think. I watched the trailer, and that that's what it was. They took some drugs, and next thing they know, they were in the Victorian era. So, I why not? It wasn't, like, obviously, clearly something I'm going out of my way to see, but it's just because it's on at the right place at the right time, so I'm taking the gamble. <clears throat> and yeah. When talking about this film with friends prior to seeing it, they did ask, well, black and white, foreign film. They gotta be at least subsets, so I guess we could do a nipple counts. I am going for just a straightforward just two. Two nips and that's it. So stay tuned. So yes, uh, Charlie Hannah's grand night out is from director Bert Schulzer. But Ber- some Belgian name I cannot say. Right, okay. Uh, it was written and directed by this person. It was their first film, so that that could tell you how the quality of it is. Um, I have a list of eight weird things to say about this film, but I'm going to play my post reactions for you. Oh, you've not got anything to say before I hit the button. Nah. Right. I'll after it. Okay. So that was. Probably easily the most strangest film I've seen this year. We could confirm that there is no nipples. Charlie and Hannah's grand night out has zero nipples. So there, you, there you go. I got some funny looks saying that on the high street, <laughs> talking about nipples on a phone, and whilst the cars trying to run me over. Burning question has been answered. It was, it was, I, I just, it's a weird fucking film kind of quirky they make a lot of bad decisions it gets very very weird and it mixes like i was convinced it was like a black and white film where two lassies take mind and substances and then end up in like a victorian era that was clearly just one scene in the trailer and they just do like bar hop in. and i mean it's got everything and like everything weird about it in a film everything from The one of the main girls' uh, chest is talking and each breast has its own personality there's at one point where both boobs jointly agree that they should go for kebabs and then there's like a whole part where it goes from a black and white film to like a what looked like a 50s uh, Italian horror set in a mansion and that's in full colour and I'm going to stop before this boy decides if he wants to run me over but yeah, I mean, it's totally a film I probably wouldn't recommend anyone. Just in the sense that it was really out there. Like, it's cool that I've watched it once. I've had a look at what Belgian cinema could be. It's a little bit wacky like, like French. One of the few things I can maybe compare it to would be like the French film The Science of Sleep. But it was fine. It wasn't that that long. I think it was maybe eighty minutes. So there we go. That is my my sole coverage of the Edinburgh International Film Festival for two thousand eighteen. Uh, I'll end it here and we can get on with the show. So yes, uh, my opinion has not changed. It is still a very weird film. Yeah. I, I have listed eight weird things about it.
1: Uh, was um, Was there a lot of people attending it, or? Aye,
0: I, I think you would have, could have said there's like two or three people in each row. Yeah. It wasn't a full house. Life After Flash had a bigger attendance. Yeah. Uh, but I was running really late because by the time I'd done that, I decided, like, I was really on the edge. of like a food coma. I had like really scuffed the food so quickly, ran yeah. upstairs, had a beer, and then I was like, Oh, if I go sit in a dark room now, I'm gonna be soon asleep. Yeah. so uh, I went and got like two scoops of Ben and Jerry's went in and like the opening credits had just like the lights were out and you know how you get in a room and it's pitch black and your eyes haven't adjusted yet and yeah. like it's so fucking dark and I was trying to take out my phone to use the torch and I thought that's really going to annoy you folks so I'm just have to and I got like the first seat in the hall and sat down and then I noticed like three seats along was like a lassie's feet like hanging over the next row uh, and I just propped her feet up and it was like socks she wasn't wearing shoes and I was like oh um, but aye, uh, it was it was probably about half full. Uh, and yes, from from that the the mind altering substances they take kind of looks like toffees. This looks like toffees in little foil wrappers. Uh, and th- they make a point. There's like quite a lot of fourth fall breaks in this. Uh, uh, where they take the the sweets. They look at each other and turn around like these are not drugs. These are uh, homeopathic sweets or something. Uh, but every time they take it. The scenes get weirder and weirder, uh, Um And that is like the first effect that happens when a girl's talking to a guy at a uh, house party. Her tits start talking to the guy, uh, right. and the guy notices and's like, "What? Your tits are talking." Mm-hmm. And one of them's like writing a play, and the other ones a fan of opera, and she's like, ah, this is just the drugs kicking, and this is normally what happens when it all kind of starts going. They start mouthing off, uh, and it's it's weird. There's definitely like." Everything from, like, a looky-looky man selling him a black hole. Alright. It's in form of a keyring. ring, and when they open up, they end up in a black hole, uh, following a pineapple on the back of a polar bear. Alright. So, it's a mixture of, ah, it's this weird, quirky, cool little film, and on the other side of it, it's just being weird for weird sake. Yeah. So, it's, it's that fine line of, am I enjoying this, or is this just a really stupid fucking film? Yeah. And part of it, it's you want to lead more to the positive because it's quite earnest. It's just lassies on a night out. Uh, and both of them, like, you're weird. It sounds like they're grand night out, but they have separate night outs. They start the night together. Then one decides to leave with the other one's ex and go uh-huh. club hopping. Another one decides to stick around with the guy at this house party. And then they end up going out and going a different direction. So it's two different nights out. And it's, it's like just this weird mixture of yeah comedy and weirdness I mean we've got a there's like a scavenger hunt with a sympathetic mummy so there there's like a girl was explaining like she's trying to find Mr. Right so she's making him do like all these sort of scavenger hunt things to try and make sure he's up to the task yeah. and he's found like a Tibetan monk for her he's done this uh, they, they mentioned a sympathetic mummy and you just see like a like a, a an Egyptian mummy walking in with a blender going smoothie. Anyone wants a smoothie? <sighs> and it's like I can White. That makes them sympathetic, but they they blow up the 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 potential suitor. that have yeah. like a big explosive, and they hand it to him, and it goes off, and he blows up, and he's just suit on the floor. And they manage to revive him by uh, buying him a drink and pouring a drink on the suit, and puff, like <sighs> puff po- of smoke, and he's back. He's lost an arm though. So they start raking through a bunch of dead homeless people, trying to find a match an arm that will suit them. Yeah. Am I encouraging? You feel like you want to watch this? Nah.
1: Could I, not really. could I
0: sell it to you? I filmed it. Nah. <laughs> um, I mean, the the Italian horror part, uh, the the girl, and the guy for the house party do kind of end up in an Italian horror, being chased by a midget, who the light they try and to make him look like the fucking demon but it's just a real close-up shot of like a dwarf's face and yeah. it's 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 got the italian horror lighting where one side of the room bright red and then other side of the room blues and they're shone on each other so it's got this really bright light yeah. and they're on torture racks and this big fat man's big fat fingers is like sitting fumbling and, goes, oh, and he's got to get ready to cut her open yeah. and she manages to eat another toffee and get out of the situation Uh, But the whole sequence when they're in this Italian horror they're speaking Italian they're having all their conversations in Italian between each other and by the time she eats her toffee to escape the torture rack she turns into a block of flats. Ah. So she's a talking building pretty much by the end of the film. Fucking weird. Yes. They they Uh, do have there's a a key point where they all decide to have a kebab towards the end of the film Uh, the the girl with the talking tits uh, her potential suitor with the new arm a homeless guy and a Tibetan monk. Well, decide to go have. It just looks like a weird Belgian uh, Avengers. Like um, in the first film, they no, all had shawarma. It like uh, the same sequence, but <laughs> but there was a shot where they just cut to this woman's chest. There's just like a tank top, and both of them go, "We want kebabs." <laughs> so, and by the end of it, they make some horrible decisions. Like the girl that went off with the ex vowed that she'll no sleep with him. Because it's her pal's ex. She wouldn't do that to her pal, they end up sleeping together. Uh. The girl that's trying to find a potential suitor, eh, they agreed to have a date later and they decide we've had too much to drink. Tonight's been pretty wild. Let's have a date when we're so night like when we're sober, take it for there. Uh. So she agrees and instead of going home, she decides to go back out clubbing and then going home with a guy that raped her
1: uh. in
0: in years previously in a sense that they went out she got really drunk fell asleep she woke up with him inside her and so they all kind of Mr. Willie and then ah. they meet him in the club again and she decides to go home with Mr. Willie he's like do you not do you remember what happened last time
1: yeah. so
0: an ending like that kind of annoyed me but it's, it's like one of these things you'll see at a festival and you will probably
1: never see or hear of it ever again yeah I mean like when you showed me the programme for a festival there was also a few films I was wanting to have a look at. Mm-hmm. I mean there was I think a few of the films was like films that all the seemed like like we were allowed to have and scene like fucking Day of the Dead again. Yes. And that bit because of the fucking time restraints. If we had a car it would have been would've been an issue, but Aye. As well, like fucking like I didn't even know that like, Joe Dante was going to that be the had there, to I, be I, a late edition. No that wasn't in the programme. Yeah, I would have known that. Yeah, because if Joe Dante had been there I probably would have tried my Fucking hardest to exactly get the day off. Exactly, because I, I think he was doing a
0: Q and A prior to showing the Howling. Yeah. So that would have been like a double, or like see Joe Dante and see the Howling, because yeah. that's still something I haven't seen. And yeah. for the chance to see it in a fucking cinema, so yeah. things like that was a a minor disappointment. The fact that I missed out on yeah. it, but maybe in later years, like because that's it. I'm, I'm hopefully on the verge of fucking like getting my driver's license this year. Yeah. So like. Next year when the festival comes around, if there's late screens, we will be able to come back and forward Aye. while having to rely on public transport and yeah. having the whole Kevin Smith story again.
1: I know. As um, well, like I was kind of hoping to catch, if I was going, I was going to try and hopefully catch Incredibles too. Yeah. But I'll just need to wait till next week or whatever.
0: They do do a good thing on the last day of the festival called The Best of the Fest, and that is, I think, like the eight most popular films voted uh, from from the festival get brought back for one last screening on the last day, one after another, and tickets are like eight pound each or something. Uh. And Incredibles Two was like the main afternoon uh. film, and that that might be it. Like for things like like for us, uh. we are not in Edinburgh, so it's not a case of just nipping around. To, like to us going to the kino. Like, we have to take an hour, two-hour trip to get there, see if I'm then a two-hour trip back. So you kind of come back and forward seeing what films you like. But Aye. maybe going on a day where they have the best of the festival lined up, that's a good way to kind of marathon the best of the festival. Aye. Seeing a lot of it all in one sitting. So I'm, I'm tempted to consider doing something like that next year.
1: Yeah.
0: And it's all done last minute, so... But it's also a chance to see the best of it, rather than Aye. the weird Belgian black and white film with the talking tits. Yeah. So, uh, Mike, let's talk about Raising Cain.
1: Yeah. Um, Brian De Palma. Yes. I read this one. Mm-hmm. Um, it's weird when you look at, um, especially, like, Arrow releases, as mm-hmm. we discovered when we were doing the Blowout. review for Blowout. There's so many Brian uh, Brian De Palma releases on Arrow mm-hmm. that include John Lithgow. Aye. Uh, and, uh, and, like, he, obviously, he's the main character in this, like, he plays three characters. Okay. He plays, um, well, I was going to say the main character, but, yeah, he's, like, the main character, he's, he plays the alter ego. Okay. And he plays his father. All right. Who is dead. Okay. It's, it's a fucking strange film. It's got a lot of weird, weird imagery mm-hmm. in it. Um, so basically it's... Um, John Lithgow's character has like an ego, like a split personality disorder. And it reminded me of the film Split. With right. With James McAvoy. Okay. Like he's got these different, like, personalities. And he can kind of switch it. Like, because there's, there's a key scene in the film where he's getting, like, interviewed if you will by a doctor and he claims that he's this person and then he has a wee fit and then he claims he's this person and all oh, that right. and it kind of reminds me of that and it's um, basically John Leffler's character plays a guy that kidnaps like children for his father's his father I put like in and, and, and part of the story like the father's like known for performing weird like experiments on like kids and stuff when mm-hmm. years ago but then he also died and he's oh when he goes like a uh, like basically like the wild card okay yeah and he he plays like the mere crude version of the formula he's um he's just fucking wacky and I mean there's a there's a really fucking like a, I still kind of get it in my head and there's like a bit at the end of the formula where it's like John Lefkoe but it's a very 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 different. John Lithgow and it kinda like haunts you in a wee bit. Like ah, like you yeah. need to fucking see like you need to see this phone basically. Yeah. Um and he um, his wife um is having an affair. Okay. And then he murders his wife. And then they try to like obviously he knows he's murdered his wife and that and mm-hmm. tries to play along with the police. and it's just fucking wacky, it's just filled with a like really weird fucking imagery there's weird dream sequences and stuff. Aye. And it's just it's um like, John, like the, the, the dad role, like mm. the father is like a is he Swiss or is it Swedish? Can't remember he plays like a like a really weird accent. Aye. And it's it's it fucking it suits John Lithgow perfectly considering Aye. like we re watched him in like uh, Blowout. Blowout. As well as when he played the Trinity Killer and Dexter is he's, He's so much more than, like, because I think as Bairns, we just count him
0: as the guy for third drop for the yeah, sun. Aye. And it's amazing to see that he's actually
1: got such a story. Yeah. I think, um, like, looking back at when we're talking about Blowout, like, if, if you if you watch the trailer of Blowout, in a, they have fucking John Lithgow in the trailer. Right. To give away that he's, like, the like the guy that done the... Aye. The, the assassination, yeah, aye, and it's like kind like, stuff like that. Like it's like what we've been seeing for years that trailers ruin fucking films. Aye, ah, they give away too much. Yeah, and I mean, like I've 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 never ever seen a uh, Raising Kane. I didn't think I've ever seen a trailer, mm-hmm. and it was just by chance that Arrow had it, and aye. it was like it was cheap one day, and I was like, right, I'll pick it up, mm-hmm. and it's it's a fucking weird film. It's like ninety minutes as well, so it's, it's, That's it's good, a, an easy easy-ish ninety minutes. Aye. But you need to kind of stay with it. Yeah. but it does get a wee bit, like, weird towards the end. And, like, 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 also if you do see it, like, you're fucking, like, and I need to also hear your reaction to the really weird John go at the end that okay. still fucking freaks me out thinking <laughs> about it. It's not where
0: he's playing the dad for Shrek. Is he not Princess Fiona's father?
1: Aye, Lord Farclack. No. Aye. No.
0: Can't mind. I remember him. He's being... Lord Farquhar. And... Ah, ah, I
1: didn't that Isn't
0: that a I thought he was the dad in Shrek,
1: can't or mind. oh no, he's
0: the villain in the first yeah, Shrek. He's aye, right. aye. But yeah.
1: Aye, it's fucking. It's a weird film.
0: Aye, I might have to borrow it for you. Yeah. Because that's like, I'm always after watching Blowout. The film stuck with me like so there was something about it, and it was like, it just made me think. I need to see Mayor Brian De Palma stuff like yeah. around that era, like. Dressed to Kill, Raising Cane, like yeah. things like that. I probably would have, when I was still reviewing films, I probably would have requested to see them, like when they first came up. I was like, oh, okay. I never thought anything of them, yeah. Which is just, uh, night na- like being naive when you look back on it. But
1: yeah,
0: I've heard like Dressed to Kill is like a famous title. I've heard that name uh, mentioned a lot before, so I should really try and source these. Whether like you have to just. Take yeah. part in like HMV's five for thirty arrow sale, or
1: yeah,
0: wait for a proper price drop. The, the
1: thing as well, like, like this, when you look at like arrow and all that, like some of the arrow titles are like pretty decent, but then some of them like you've never really heard of them.
0: They all is very obscure niche.
1: Yeah, so you're kind of like you're always on the fence for that. You want to mm-hmm. pick them up or no?
0: Because I know you you got uh, Boondock Saints, I I fucking I love that film when I was never younger Never seen it. Never. It's, um Something to do with is it skateboarding? No. Oh I'm making a documentary about skateboarding.
1: Yeah. Um it's about two a set it's set in Boston and it's um two guys that basically accidentally take out like two like mafia guys. Okay. And they're, they're like, like really religious and that, and they basically start doing that. And they end up having um Willem Defoe mm-hmm. on the case. Right. And Billy Connolly has a scene-stealing role in both films, right. as like the dad. All right. Is uh, this the one that's got Norman Reedus in it? Yeah, ah, right. uh, he's in both films. He plays one of the brothers, and it's um, Willem DeForest in this one. He's not in the second one. A lot of people hated the second one. I heard there was a but second. I actually quite like the second. I'm kind of hoping that they do release the second one. Now, the second one's quite a recent. Is that a recent one? Was it in like the last 10 years uh, that they made a sequel to yeah, it? Yeah, about that. Because this one was, I think, late 90s, early 2000s. Oh, okay. Aye. But, um, but yeah, fucking I'm looking forward to re-watching it and see if, it, if it still holds up after all these years. Aye, definitely. And, hey,
0: you got anything else to add on Reason Cain? No. no. No? No. Okay. <laughs> Aye, so the last film I was going to talk about was uh, what got voted the best of the Edinburgh Film Festival. It won the Michael Powell Award for Best British Feature Film at the Edinburgh Film Festival, uh, a film called Calibre.
1: Yeah,
0: I've seen the, I watched the trailer on Netflix the other week. Aye, Uh, written and directed by Matt Palmer. I think it could be his, I'm I'm taking a bad guess here, saying it could be his debut feature film. yeah. And it it's more or less what goes wrong when two two best friends go for a weekend hunting in Scotland in a wee remote village, and
1: aye, it doesn't go to plan. Is it kind of like has it got feels the American way from London? Kinda like two people out of their place? Yeah. And
0: aye, it's definitely got that where like the villagers are a wee bit wary of them, yeah. and it's also kind of got a a wicker man. Feel to it, oh, right. where obviously none of them get. It's put, like a cult sort of thing. Almost, aye. Where like they really end up messing with the wrong people. It's one of these ones where I didn't want to talk about too much about it, but aye. I think if you saw the trailer, you've actually. I I turned the trailer off because I felt like it was giving away a lot.
1: Yeah, I can't really remember. I can't really remember much mm-hmm. about it. Aye. but I mean you were saying that it was pretty good, so.
0: Aye, and it's was one of these things that it is really good because the fact that it it seems so realistic, yeah. everything that happens in this film, is something like,
1: that could easily happen in like modern, yeah. like, like totally.
0: Not it's not really far fetched at all, which makes it so unsettling. And yeah. even I think it was just yesterday I would scrolled on Facebook and I saw Stephen King complimenting the film. Saying it was like one of the most nail biting like 90 minutes he's spent in ages, uh. and he was really recommending it for fuck to watch. Yeah. And it is one of those things where you think when it happens, these guys get like they're, they're in their they're out of their depth, and the villagers of this wee village are the wrong fuck to have messed with. Like, there, there's this sequence where one of the boys, like the more boisterous of the guy, because the main character has a pregnant w- pregnant wife at home. This is her, like his last weekend of freedom. And I go for your pal, drink whiskey, go shoot that, that, because you're not going to get that happening when the Baron's here. Yeah. So he goes, out, planning to enjoy himself, not too much, because what you imagine, most most films, fuck, go away for a weekend and end up shagging other lassies and doing drugs and that. And that partly happens. His best pal, who hasn't got any ties, goes, shags a lassie, they do drugs together. Eh... Uh, he does kind of get close to a girl, but he, he, he mans up and mentions that he's got a wife, he's got a kid on the way. Yeah. I'm just going to go back to my room. See you later, good night. And it's like the next night in the pub, the fucking father of the girl that got shagged and got a drug skiing test shows up, fucking starts laying into the boy, starts fucking battering him. And they all think it's because of what happened in the woods. They think they whatever's happened to them they've has been found out and they're fucked. And they realise, you gave my girl drugs. And he's just sitting, fucking punching fuck at them, and slashing the tyres to their jeep, so they're forced to stay in the village an extra night. And the thing that once the whole village found out, these guys came to the village and they were they had cocaine with them, and they were giving it to the lassie, or this guy, and they all like, nobody likes them now. Like, the the tone has shifted. So they go to like the only mechanic, and he's like, ah, I could get tyres for your jeep. Um, 500 pounds. I like, what? D- don't they're... And it's like, aye, it's £500, that's... And it's like, you could go to the next town, but you'll be fucking walking to get there, to find out, to get your tyres, and then it'll cost you extra for them to get here, so it's £500. He's huh. like, alright, well, like, could you get it done today? He's like, I'll do it whenever the fuck I want. <laughs> and it was that, i they gave them back. Because, aye, I, I, I said that wrong, because, like, I'm paying you £500, you'll get the, the work done today. He's like, He's like, I'll do the work whenever the fuck I want and they're just kinda of cave, there's nothing he can do. So they go back to the pub and have another drink to calm and the guy comes back up to them, he's like, Right, lads, I've been told I overreacted. He shakes the guy, the main character's hand. And the other boy who like had it, like he's got his nose broken by the guy, yeah. So he's saying he's got this big fucking cut across his nose and he's got this say looking pus. And he's like, Right, pal He goes to put the hand out to shake his hand and he goes past him and just grabs his nose and twists it. It's like, ah they fucking like you. <laughs> and you're just like, Oh there's kinda be a ser like your nose is already broken, the wound they just mm-hmm. fucking grabs it and twists it, I like, got your nose. It looks so fucking sore. It's like, oh no. Nah. Uh, and it is it's a t- type of film where it, it sits where you like the next day, like, uh, I'm unnerved just to think oh, what happened in that film. Uh, and like there's there's no supernatural elements there, it. it's all just like realistic as fuck but it's just such a horrible situation the fuck are put into uh, and what they have to do to get out of it uh, so I'll, I'll kind of leave that there as uh, like my recommendation yeah. for folk
1: kind of reminds me uh, a wee bit like Red State aye yeah you could easily
0: like compare it to that because it does like the tone of it easily uh, so that is my like, uh, recommendation
1: yeah, i stick that on my on my watch
0: list, one. Aye, right. and well, that's, it, it's now on Netflix. It's, I think they put it down as like a Netflix film, so it must have been uh, something that they yeah. put money into. Um. Uh, so yes, that's it. Tune into episode one hundred ninety-one of the Films and Swearing Movie Podcast, where we will continue our ninety season with episode, well, oh. with with a uh, part nineteen ninety-five, yeah. where we will be covering Heat and Toy Story. Yep. Ladies and gentlemen. Fuck off and tune in next week.